Now this is the law of the desert, as blue and as vast as the sky. And the wolf that shall keep it may prosper, like the birds that hunt as they fly. The family that hunts together eats together. Such is the way of Harris's hawk, and their way is uniquely theirs. This bird is the only raptor in the animal kingdom that truly is a clever girl, hunting in a pack. But when prey is sparse and can see you coming, you'll need help on the hunt in life, death, and taxonomy. Welcome back to Life, Death, and Taxonomy. It's your 30 minutes of interesting animal information. I'm Joe. And I'm Carlos. Thank you to Cassie for the creation of our theme song. To hear more of Cassie's music, please search Cassie Michelle on YouTube or Spotify. And thank you to Johanna for the creation of this week's artwork. To check that out, you can visit us at our home on the web at ldtaxonomy.com. Check it out. And a very special thank you to our patrons, to Tristan Taylor, Jesse Raspolich, Carol Raspolich, and Richard Kaspar. Thank you so much for your support. It's greatly appreciated. Thanks for helping us keep the lights on. And today we're talking about the wolf pack of the sky, but more on that later. Yeah, we're talking about Harris's hawk. <laughs> Why can't I find a raptor like that? It's a uh, it's got Harris's hawk. So if you find it, return it to Harris immediately. Yes, it's like Reese's peanut butter cups. It's not you yours. can't eat those. It's Reese's. Mm-hmm. Go to. Go to the Malcolm in the Middle family and hand it to Reese. Um, so the Harris's hawk is also known as the bay-winged hawk. It's called the dusky hawk, the wolf hawk. Uh, and in Spanish, it's called the peuco. But we're going to call Which it here. Means... Oh, we don't know. Oh, do you want to know what it means? <laughs> um, I don't know what that means. Um... It means uh, no worries. Harris's hawk. Uh, we're going to call it here Pactical Strike, the nice. Brown Coats, and the Clever Girls. Clever Girl. Good. Because it's a raptor. Yeah, and, uh, and, and that's it. <laughs> um, would you like uh, a heaping helping of taxonomy? Rough Legged Hawk. Oh, I didn't see that one. That's pe- I, I, Peuco. Oh, is that what that means? I guess. The wolf hawk sounds like the um, the sequel to Lady Hawk. You ever seen that movie? No. It's a, it's a weird one. It's like a fantasy. Never heard of it. Where, uh, there's there's this guy and this girl, and they're they they're like he's a warrior. Uh, I think she's a warrior too, but by by day he's a man and she is a hawk, and by night she is a woman and he is like a I think he's a wolf. So they're like they turn into animals, but they they're never together as people. So it's like this star-crossed lovers kind of thing. There's some action. When did, how did they fall in love? I think they were cursed or something afterwards or whatever. Gotcha. Um, I don't remember. Don't quote me on it. It is probably been 20 something years since i've seen it anyway 
we're talking about the Harris's hawk, not not Lady Hawks. Um, taxonomy time. It's in the kingdom you know, love, and are in, and that kingdom is Animalia. The phylum is Chordata because it's a bird. It's got a spine. The class because it's a bird is Aves. One hundred one. That class, um, or eleven hundred one, I guess. Uh, the order. This one I knew off the top of my head. I'm getting better at this. Is Accipitriformes. So, uh, raptors are all in Accipitriformes. So, like falcons and hawks and eagles. Um, the family is Accipitridae. The genus is Parabuteo. This and the species is Unisynctus. So, Parabuteo Unisynctus is the binomial nomenclature. Hmm. But since we're in the business of naming things, it's time for my favorite part of the show, Critter Groups. The part of the show where I ask you, Joe, a question, and that question is the same every time. What is the name of a group of this animal, or what is the term of venery, or what is the collective noun? We have a term of venery for hawks. I think we've done a hawk before, so I don't think we've covered this term of venery yet. So... If you saw a group of hawks, which, as we'll find out, is more likely than you might think, uh, it, would you call it A, an aviary of hawks, B, a boil of hawks, C, a cinch of hawks, or D, a derelict of hawks? What's the first two? Aviary and boil. A, B, C, D. Aviary, boil... Cinch and derelict. Oh, cinch, final answer. Incorrect. The answer is boil. It's a boil of hawks. I would never have guessed that one. Actually, I would have after four tries. (laughs) That would have been been number four. You'd eventually gotten it. Um, A boil. They strike again. Do they? Terms What's... of venery maker. Oh, you the got the last one right. In terms of venery, they they just like refuse to make something make sense. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they pull out a good one. Uh, but it is, it's a rarity indeed. Yeah, this is a boil of hawks. Would have been better for a shrimp. A boil of shrimp would have been better. Mm-hmm. Um, or lobster. But, yeah, lobster. Would you like to hear what this Harris's hawk looks like? Sure. All right. So Harris's hawk is a large, intense-looking raptor, which is a raptor is, yes, the name of a dinosaur, but also it's the term used for uh, birds in the Accipitriformes order. So strong, fast birds of prey like eagles and hawks and falcons etc etc adults have dark brown feathers on their backs heads and tips of their wings i was reading this on wikipedia it called their feathers brownish but uh i would say that these are the brownest hawks in the verse these are not Mm -hmm. brown ish like like that show blackish um it's definitely brown uh no ifs ands or butts their shoulders, quote unquote shoulders, are like a lighter chestnut, maybe like a Rufus brown. Uh, also, their legs. Uh, 
are the same color. Their tails are tinged with white, but juveniles have more white or what's called buff, which is kind of like this cream canvas color, I guess, um, on their undersides. That's how you can tell the difference. They have uh, big, sharp, hooked yellow beaks and that are tipped with gray at the end and uh, very, a very furrowed brow and piercing black eyes. The, uh, you do not want to mess the Harris's hawk. Looks like it just wants to mess you up. But like I said, they're large. It's a, it's a rather large raptor. It's not the biggest raptor, for sure. Not even close. But it is a pretty big... We have a lot of like red-shouldered hawks here in uh, Jacksonville. And I'm always surprised at how s relatively small they are. I'm like... In, whenever I think of a hawk, I think of this huge bird. Um, but it's really like... It's like a big crow. We have red-tailed hawks here, and they can get pretty big. Yeah, so when I see, like, the red-shouldered hawk, which I think is a little bit smaller than the And they look one, very similar, red-tailed red and red-shouldered. You have – there are a lot of ospreys in South Florida. I remember seeing them. Oh, a lot. yeah. That's a, that was probably the most common raptor that I saw. Um, and those are a little bigger, I think. But, uh, yeah, so there's – Maybe you could call these guys medium-sized, but I would call them uh, relatively large for a bird. So how big are they, Joe? Great question. Welcome to the Beloved Measure Up segment, the official listener's favorite part of the show, the part of the show when we present the animal size and dimensions in relatable terms that, through a quiz that's fun for the whole family. It's also part of the show that's introduced by you when you send in audio yourself saying, singing, or chittering the words measure up into ldtaxonomy at gmail.com. We don't have a new measure up intro this week, but that means we get to hear from a animal that actually makes a sound <laughs> for is, once. Is this the classic um, eagle screech from Westerns? No. What did we say? Oh, what, did we say it was this? No, it's just a hawk. I don't remember. I don't think we said it was any. We, we had a species of hawk, but whenever you hear like the eagle screeching overhead in a Western with that like really high pitched uh, screech. It's, it's not an eagle at all. No, it's a, it's a hawk. Just like it would sound like a seagull. If it was yeah, an eagle, it sounds like a weak chirp uh, if it was an eagle, but um, it's really like, high pitched. Yeah. It's like the, uh, the MGM lion actually being a tiger's roar and not a lion's roar. <laughs> Okay, without further ado, the listener's favorite part of the show. <laughs> That's a little bit of like a, just a high-pitched scream as well. Yeah, it's definitely not the it's not the classic one, but uh it's just as unpleasant to be un up close. <laughs> Uh, the, the classic one might be like the Willem scream where it's just like a canned thing that we've been using forever. It's just one, one bird made that sound one time. 40 years it. ago. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> like that one guy that goes, yeah, that's the, that's the Willem scream. That's what I just said. No, no, no. There's like a, I don't know. I, it, I, oh, I, can't, I can't recreate that, that that scream, but... It's like the other one that's not the Willem scream, you're saying? Like there's two that float around a lot? Yeah, it's just like the the horror scream, not like the... 
not the falling scream. Um, but a- anyway, forget about it. <laughs> I can't. Rec- <laughs> I, I thought it was going to come out a lot better when I made the sound, and it uh, it didn't. And the baby's sleeping next door, so I'm not going to try it again. Um, we're still sort of in the age of uh, the age of, uh, of love technology. The, yeah. Sale. We're in the seventies. We're in the age of sale. Um, no, we're in the age of uh, empathy, where we get to explore some of Carlos's interests. Since we're making him do math, although we're also sort of in the age of like upcoming films, and you'll see why. So the length of a Harris's hawk is forty-six to fifty-nine centimeters. Or 18 to 23 inches. Uh, not too shabby. Not too giant, though. It's no bald eagle. It's no uh, condor. It's no harpy eagle. Mm-hmm. I guess eagles are just... When I was a kid, I always thought, like, falcons are little, hawks are medium, eagles are big. And I was like, that's the only difference between birds of prey. I mean, that's not the only and difference, then, but that's... And owls are their own thing. <laughs> that's pretty on point. Yeah, I mean, it ends up being quite true. Um, so how many Harris's Hawks go into the barrel length of the Canon Day 12 Griboval? My sister would be able to pronounce that better. It is a French term. Canon de Griboval. Uh, a French cannon used in the Nape- Napoleonic Wars. So I don't think you've been deep diving into like this era of warfare. I did read a biography on Napoleon like three years ago. So Okay. But it is a gun, technically. Yes, it is a very big gun. It's artillery. Um, Here's a hint. The cannon fired a shot that was nearly 13 pounds. Why would the th- why would the gun that shoots thirteen pounds be called the twelve pounder? Uh, because the pounds the were doesn't. the the old French pound, which was like sometimes it was exact. It was not you know standardized. So sometimes it was the same as we have today in terms of pounds, but sometimes it was uh, a little bit different. So the twelve pound gun shot a thirteen pound round. Uh, the gun was invented by Jean-Baptiste Vaquette de Gribouval, uh, a French artillery officer who created his own production system that developed lighter guns that didn't sacrifice range. He was a strong advocate and an early father for the standardization uh, and interchangeability of gun parts. So guns are cheaper today than they would have been if he, if him and other people weren't thinking maybe when our a piece of our gun breaks, it shouldn't be irreplaceable. We shouldn't just throw the entire cannon at the enemy. <laughs> we should try to fix or, it or Roll make it, it from scratch hill. like a key. Um, cannons were kind of like in the, in their heyday I, at this point, mm-hmm. I think. See, when I think of cannons, I think of like the, um, the it's like the Saint the Saint Augustine Fort. I forgot what yeah. the fort is called. 
I, from the pictures, it doesn't look like they're that, like they're like ship cannons. They're like uh, these can- light cannons on uh, the wheels, you know, that they could wheel around. The wagon wheel yeah. cannons. If I remember right, the Napoleonic Wars, or Napoleon's army was based on being able to move large distances. Yeah, quickly. Uh, and surprise enemies so probably not bringing a two-ton like 20-foot cannon trying to drag that through the prussian mud um so i'm gonna go with and it's the barrel length i'll go with three feet it's 36 inches or no i'm gonna i'm just gonna say two Two hawks go into that. So I'm going to say this is a 46-inch gun cannon. That's my final, final answer. answer. The answer is two hawks. The correct answer is 3.9 hawks. Oh, boy. The barrel was seven, 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 seven feet, seven inches, 231 centimeters. Yep, that's correct. I mean, that's yeah. a, that math checks out. That's a long boy. I was thinking of like a. I was I I was envisioning those like little howitzer, not little, but like. The howitzers in the. Uh, at the end of uh, the Last Samurai. But that uh, was like eighteen sixty something, and the Polish yeah. wars were like fifty years before that. So. So let's talk about weight. Females tend to be heavier at 1,000 uh, grams, 1,229 grams, or 2.269 pounds. So how many Harris's Hawks go into the TNT equivalent yield of the first nuclear bomb ever detonated? Oh, boy. <laughs> oh, so the first one... There's a Napoleon movie coming out, and this one Oppenheimer's coming out. So they're both. They ended up uh, both being movie themed, almost. Those are both movies that I, for that it, it's very rare that a movie makes me want to watch it. And Oppenheimer is one of the first ones in a long time. It's maybe one I like. Oh, I can't <laughs> wait for that to come out. And uh, I don't know. I didn't really like Joker, but I like Walking Phoenix. So maybe and Napoleon's an interesting. Although he's way old, like wasn't Napoleon in like in his thirties for most of his exploits? I think so, late thirties maybe. I mean, he uh, was like a huge political figure true. for as a young man for a while, and I don't. And when he became like dictator, I wonder if people realize how terrible of a person he was. <laughs> like, I I feel like the average person like thinks of napoleon as this great military leader but he's like he's he's up there with some of the more ruthless dictators of all time so i wonder if this movie is gonna like actually well his men liked him so he yeah he but a lot so of, did like... the ss <laughs> true, they like their leader enough. too <laughs> but like no i'm saying like i don't even know like was he a genius military leader or was he bold and did he just like maintain good moral m- morale among his men, so he they're was, willing to like follow his every 
the second he didn't thing, have people running away easy. He lost a lot of battles and somehow managed to build armies after losing over and over and over again. I don't know how people kept being like, yeah, we'll f- we'll send all of our male population to your army. But he still he still managed to to schmooze or coerce or threaten his way into like, oh, I just my entire army was absolutely wiped out. Next year I'll be back again trying to do the same thing with a bigger army. <laughs> like, how did you do that? <laughs> so, um at first Wasn't there he, one time where like he just marched after his fir- one of his uh exiles, he just like sailed back to to France. Yeah. And he, like walked up and then like the people sent to arrest him just like joined him. He Oh, I don't remember that. Maybe, but um he was exiled like to Morocco or something like that to Africa across the Mediterranean and then he just decided not to be exiled anymore came back and mustered an army and was defeated uh, again this is near the end of his life um but yeah it's just it's it's crazy and the way he treated the people the the countries that he marched through and the people that were there and he's a he's a piece of pr- work pr- pr- yeah he's a piece a piece of work that's for sure. Didn't commit like genocide uh, on the scales of like Stalin or 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 Hitler or something like that. But goodness, uh, definitely definitely not a r- role model. Um, <laughs> uh, anyway, anyway, here's a hint about the uh, TNT equivalent of the first nuclear bomb detonated. Uh, the 1945 Trinity nuclear test was the first to detonate a nuclear bomb. The test took place in Socorro, New Mexico. Socorro? Socorro. That sounds Japanese. Yeah, it's the it's the um, rolled R. Socorro? Yeah. And it was directed by J. Robert Oppenheimer. The device was a plutonium implosion fusion bomb. I did a deep dive on the bombs recently, today. And I, so like in Hiroshima, in Hirosh, I've heard Hiroshima and Hiroshima, so I kind of it's accidentally Hiroshima. mixed both. Um, the bomb that was dropped there was like a fraction of the yield that it could have, could have done. The the amount of fuel that like ended up explo- or imploding and like causing the like achieving fusion and blowing up was the like weight of a butterfly. And there was way more that just didn't end up. Huh. I didn't know. And that. then at the the um Bikini Atoll, that that bomb, I forget what that one was called. The opposite happened. There was like an inert there, there was a substance. There was like a radioactive substance in there. They thought would be inert, that ended up also adding to the fuel. So it was way bigger than anyone thought, and ended up like drifting in a direction they didn't think it was going to go because of the wind change, and like absolutely wrecked with radiation. Some. Uh, Pacific Islands and some Japanese ship fishing ships. 
Yeah, that, so one that was, was a crazy. big, big messed up situation. Um, I tell you that I had a friend whose mom was named Gay because, and she was named after the Enola Gay. <laughs> That's horrible. <laughs> <laughs> Even like back then, like we weren't like, this is great. Like you, when Eisenhower is like telling the public, like we've developed these bombs and it's going to be like really good for our military strength. Even then he's like, but it's kind of (laughs) bad. Like like we don't want to use these. And uh, so like (laughs) there was no part in history where we were jazzed about the bomb. Haven't you seen Doctor Strange Love? How I stop how I learned to stop worrying and love the bomb? No. Like Oppenheimer before the bomb was dropped was like now I racked with dead. guilt. <laughs> yeah. It's pretty crazy. Just like AI changed the world. A little man, how many, man, little boy. How many um, hawks worth of TNT did exploded at the Trinity nuclear test? TNT is usually measured in kilotons. Sure. Um, in, in terms of nuclear bombs. Kilotons? Oh, boy. That's a thousand two thousands. <laughs> yeah. Because so TNT is actually not... So the, the idea of like the way you we measure it, like TNT equivalent to a nuclear bomb, the idea is like, let's compare the, the, the blast potential... To a conventional explosive, explosive, but TNT is not even the most explosive conventional explosion. Dynamite is more powerful than TNT, so we're doing ourselves a disservice by making very large numbers because we're using TNT. It's like we're using horsepower still to instead of like to measure tons of uh, what's the what's the stuff the that's always in the movies, the action movies. It's like looks like looks like a play-doh or silly putty it's white what is it called plastic explosive yeah it's plastic explosive what's the name for that silly putty no c4 c4 yeah oh i've never i don't think i've ever seen it as like a white liquid i've always seen it as no like no what no they have in the video games like not a big not liquid block. um like a block that like if you, you slide the device into it's like uh soft a soft, solid block. Oh, well, like, I think in C4 in the movies or, like, in Saving Private Ryan, they had, like, these big... It's like a big plastic... Th- I mean, it's plastic explosives, but it's plastic box. Anyway, yeah. I'm going to say 10 million. Hawks. Worth of poundage of explosion. Juice. Came from this first atomic bomb yeah there's a there's a reddit post why does c4 look like yummy mozzarella (laughs) i don't think i've ever seen a movie or piece of media where like i've seen the actual c4 it looks like um white play-doh video games but it's like you're right it is housed in like these bricks yep uh so i'm gonna say 10 million hawks Final answer. Hoxtable. Uh, yep. Cliff Cliff Hoxtable. 
The correct answer is 25 million hawks. That is not that is the same number of digits. <laughs> wow. The blast was the same as 25 kilotons of TNT. Ah, see, I thought that was 10 kilotons. Close. Is that a nursing school? No, not even close. I'm like less than half. Yeah, it stinks when like just, you know, a couple million is quite a lot. <laughs> a couple million, I guess 10, you, the answer was 25. <laughs> yeah, I mean, even a couple of million is quite a lot off. Oh, I should have guessed like 800 or something like that. That would have been interesting. <laughs> yeah. I'll be more uh, wrong next time. So that's all I got for that. Man, we could talk about the bombs forever. Oh no, I've I think I've basically uh, exhausted my knowledge about the atomic bombs except for I think I I know a little bit about their mechanism of action, but that's about it. We've um, talked I'll about Tsar Bomba before too on this. Uh. Oh yeah, like the biggest one. Um I'll know more after I watch Oppenheimer when it it releases on one of the streaming services that I have. Like a year from now? Sure, sure. I'm still waiting for the Mario movie to show up. So, <laughs> um, yeah. Um, you ready for some fast facts before we get into the major fact? Sure am. All right. The uh, Harris's Hawk lives in uh, Texas, Mexico, and parts of Central and South America, including Venezuela, Colombia, Peru, Bolivia, Chile... Argentina, Paraguay, Uruguay, Brazil, and more. Uh, They eat small creatures, including birds, lizards, mammals, and large insects. Um, Boils of uh, Harris's hawks are matriarchal. The females also manage the child care. They are apex predators, but their nests can still be raided by other hawks and coyotes. Um, Nests... Eggs in those nests will hatch uh, after about five weeks, and the babies are fledged in less than two months so that they can fly at that point. Um, and they will go on to live about 25 years in the wild. Um, but if they're not in the wild, and they are often used in falconry, which is training a uh, a bird of prey to go kill your enemies. <laughs> Especially uh, if your enemies are rabbits. Yeah, it's a... It's a hunting strategy. So, um, and that's that's all I got. Well, I'm calling this one obviously the Sky Wolf. Uh, Harris's hawk is possibly the only raptor that hunts cooperatively. These birds have brains that make them very intelligent, which is part of the reason they're popular in falconry because they they're trainable. Because they got good brains on their little red shoulders. They're clever girls. Yeah. Most birds of prey are solitary hunters. And they may even be aggressive with one another when they're near the same kill. Like the bully bald eagle. Who, who's a kleptoparasite. In, bully baldy. In, and really disappointed Benjamin Franklin. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> however... The hawk of Harris is a social bird that is known to hunt in packs. These sky wolves cooperate by flushing out prey animals 
for their other individuals on their team to swoop in and catch. Kind of like, kind of like what the that one like falcon we talked about, or is it a hawk that uh, uses fire to flush out? Oh, the uh, a black kite in uh, yes, what's called in in Australia, the the Hwati Kwapa. You don't need a, f- a, f- a blazing inferno when you can just have uh, your buddy uh, go down and like rustle some bushes. Um, packs can consist of two to six hunters. One bird will fly low or even hop on the ground to scare animals out of protective cover. Then they are exposed to the flying hunters above. When they catch the prey they'll share sometimes reluctantly but they'll share so why are they the only ones that do this why are they the only raptors that hunt cooperatively aren't raptors the dinosaur smarter than dolphins and whales according to jurassic park uh, and clever girls pack hunting um some researchers believe that this is an adaptation to living and hunting in the desert so the desert is two things inhospitable to an abundance of life and also wide open. Uh, that means prey isn't very densely packed. So when you find an opportunity as a predator, it's important to capitalize. 10 extra growth. Uh, <laughs> wide open spaces also mean that prey animals have good sight lines to see predators coming. So there aren't, there aren't many tall trees that raptors can scope out rabbits and mice from. So you're you're sitting on top of a cactus, and as soon as you start swooping, everything goes uh, into their little holes. So scarcity forces sharing and cooperation, and it works out. Pack hunters, uh, pack hunting hawks increase their success by ten percent compared to lone hawks, and I saw somebody say even like half, increase it by half, but fifty percent. Ten percent seems a little weak sauce. Yeah, but uh, it's and I would love a ten percent growth in me having a meal today, ten percent extra chance. Yeah, but then you have to share more than ten percent of the meal. True. Hunting groups are often made up of a mating pair and their offspring. Yearling and young hawks stick around the nest and help their parents hunt. In some cases unrelated neighboring groups hunt together. So I saw a video where like a yearling was the younger hawks are the ones that like often are the scarers. So they'll scare and the more experienced parents will be the ones that swoop in and make the kill. Then the like they'll, they'll feast on it and then the female will pick it up, pick up the lion's share of the meal and bring it to the nest and feed the chicks. It's the extortion fee. Yeah. This is a nice uh, little rapid shop you got here. It would be, uh, be quite a shame, you know, if something something happened to it. You know, fires, uh, they're really destructive, and you never know when they're going to start. So we're going <laughs> to have to, we're gonna have to take most of that kill from you. And it doesn't stop at uh, it doesn't stop at hunting. They will also kind of cooperate to protect nesting areas, and it it's seasonal. So like in the off season, they'll work together to protect the nesting area. But in the 
in the breeding season, they'll protect the nest and the hunting zones from other groups of hawks and predators. So they're cooperative little guys. Yeah, I am surprised that more um, raptors don't do this. I mean, if you look at eagles, they are very aggressive when it comes to like sharing a kill. They 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 do not like to do that. But I guess most apex predators tend to be lone rangers. It's probably True. I'm just spitballing here, but it just going back over our Rolodex of animals, um, like lions are an outlier, an outlion, they're outlying in a field, um, in terms of like being pack hunters as True. apex predators, where like leopards and crocodiles and cheetahs and other animals in other apex predators in the area are lone rangers. They're outliers, even just as cats. Cats just tend not to do that. But yeah. uh, it's also interesting to hear that, like, cooperation is a sign of intelligence. Which makes sense. You have to coordinate. So lions yeah. are smart, tigers are dumb. I got it. Yeah. Cats are dumb, dogs are smart. Yeah, I guess dogs usually tend to hunt in packs because they're smaller. Can you imagine if there was a dog the size of a tiger? That'd be pretty crazy. A dire wolf. And now imagine there's 20 of those in a pack. Dogs. Have you ever seen a video of like wolves like catching something? Prey? It's horrifying. There's no worse fate. I think um, this is completely off topic. We're talking about a bird. But it is the wolf of the sky. But like just being torn apart by multiple things at once is the worst. Yeah, that's why wolves are like the big bad in a lot of movies. But it's a good thing those things rarely ever happen to humans. There's some sort of agreement in the animal kingdom. There's a there's a uh, treaty according to um, the law of the jungle. According to the law of the jungle, the animals can't look us in the eye. According to Rudyard, Rudyard Kipling. It's because we have the red flower. That's right. All right. Do you, do you have anything else? <laughs> uh, no, that's all I got. All right. So for you out there in podcast, yeah, that was the Harris's Hawk. So don your brownest coat. Take to the skies and work together to take down your prey. Like Harris's Hawk, you're in life, death, and taxonomy. Hey, Taxonomy Titans, I just want to remind you that we now have a Patreon. Patrons can see full video episodes and get shoutouts on the show. But ultimately, it's a way for you to help us cover some costs and get even better. Still, reviews are the best way to help us grow. So if you haven't left one yet, we'd really love to hear from you. As always, thanks for listening and engaging. podcast. <laughs>
<laughs> the best way is the nuclear, the epicenter of the nuclear bomb. That's the best way. <laughs>